0: listeners in this episode I thought I would talk a little bit about vaccinating children with the COVID vaccines and I've already written a blog post about this but people don't really read so let's uh, let's record a quick little video uh, about the same content and I will stream the audio on my podcast as well so I'm not really going to give people advice on whether or not they should vaccinate their children That's a very personal thing. And this is a relatively new vaccine. It's not the MMR vaccine or the polio vaccine, both of which, of course, I would advocate for your child to be a recipient of. Um, But with COVID, it's a bit different. So I'm not going to tell you what to do one way or the other. Instead, I want to present a framework for how you should decide. And really it's a framework based on risk versus reward. So the risk of the vaccine versus the reward for what the vaccine offers, considering the risks of the disease that you're avoiding. So what are the risks of the vaccine? Well, right now in Canada, the only vaccine that is approved for children, and by children, I mean those at age 12 to 17, very soon we'll have vaccines for those younger, but right now it's just 12 to 17. It's the Pfizer vaccine, okay? So right now we have some clinical trial data, that shows it's extraordinarily safe. In fact, out of about 2,000 people in clinical trial, 18 cases of COVID were detected, all of which were in the placebo group, meaning that the vaccine has an efficacy of 100%, which is astounding. But keep in mind that real life data is never as good as clinical trial data. And when this gets rolled out to millions of kids around the world, that number will come down, but it's going to be high. So uh, in terms of effectiveness, we shouldn't be concerned there. The vaccine is quite effective, but what parents care about is safety. Is it safe? Well, um, I haven't seen the actual data. They haven't published a paper yet, but all signs so far suggest that there were no strong safety signals, meaning that it looks like nobody was hospitalized or had a serious adverse reaction. If we define serious as you know hospitalization, or the exacerbation of an underlying condition, or death. None of that happened, as far as I know. Uh, But there were a lot of side effects, and the common side effects were the same things that the adults get. Pain at the site of injection, headache, fatigue, some flu-like symptoms, like a fever, lasting a couple of days at most, uh, with most of the symptoms going away if you took some Tylenol. So in terms of adverse reactions, uh, there's nothing to write home about doesn't look particularly bad. So the vaccines appear safe. But as I mentioned, when this gets into the real world, there are going to be some additional safety signals. So 2,000 people is not enough to detect some rarer outcomes. When you're into a million people, you're gonna get some unfortunate, perhaps even tragic outcomes. So what do we know about the Pfizer vaccine? Well, if you look at the data from Ontario, we get a lot of insight. Now, keep in mind, this vaccine has already been given to tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people worldwide. So we have a pretty good grasp of its safety profile, and it looks overwhelmingly safe. But overwhelmingly safe is not perfectly safe. It's just overwhelmingly safe. So in Ontario, uh, the most recent data, uh, up to May 15th, 2021, I think, shows that about 5 million doses of Pfizer have been given, of which 57.000. Serious adverse events were recorded. That gives you a vanishingly small uh incidence rate of serious events, something like 0.001%. Of those 57, there were three deaths. That's serious. But those three deaths were in very elderly people, and it looks like the vaccine was not the cause of death in any of those cases, according to the investigation. Now, some people are going to believe that investigation, obviously. So let's say the three deaths were the cause of uh, the, um, uh, uh, caused by the vaccine. That still gives a death incidence rate of 0.00006% or so, which is vanishingly small. Not zero, but very, very small. So what's the risk posed by the disease itself? Well, as everyone knows, kids in general do better with COVID than do adults. They're less likely to get very, very sick, less likely to be hospitalized, less likely to die. But the risk isn't zero. It's just very, very small. So out of every million or so uh, kids who are hospitalized, or for every million or so kids who get COVID, about 20 or 30 will die. That's a small number, but it's not zero. That works out to something like 0.005%. So it looks like the risk of dying of COVID is substantially higher than the risk of dying of the vaccine. Um, But it's not all about death, right? It's about illness as well. We mentioned that the risk of an adverse event of the vaccine is like 0.001%. What's the risk of hospitalization or a serious adverse event with COVID? There are tens of thousands of kids in the hospital right now in the USA because of COVID. So clearly the risk of something bad happening as a result of COVID to your child is substantially higher than the risk of something bad happening as a result of the vaccine. But the analysis doesn't stop there because your chances of your child getting COVID are not hundred percent. And this is where it gets a little cloudy, right? Cause I can't tell you what the probability of your child getting COVID is. That depends on how common, how prevalent the disease is where you live. So, while the incidence rate is high, the probability approaches 100%. And while it's low, the probability approaches zero. If the disease is not eradicated, then sometime in the next 10 years, the probability of your child getting COVID approaches 100%. So, at some point, we're going to have to have the vaccine conversation anyway. So, where do I land on this? Um, both the risk of the vaccine and the risk of COVID to your child are very, very small. So what's the tiebreaker? Some would say the tiebreaker is herd immunity. So herd immunity, if you don't know, is that point at which enough people are immunized, that those who aren't immunized are protected anyway, because the immune people prevent them from being exposed to the disease. If enough people are immune, then the chances of the disease finding purchase in the population is low. So we call that magical point, herd immunity. In Canada, it's pretty hard to get to herd immunity unless kids are vaccinated. So if we assume that herd immunity is reached at 75% of the population being immune, that's a fair assumption. It's probably higher than that. And if we assume that the vaccines are 95% effective, then you need about 80% of the population to be vaccinated before you get to 75% immunity. Some quick math will show you that the proportion of adults in the Canadian population is about 80%. So in other words, you need 100% of all the adults in Canada to get vaccinated before we reach herd immunity. It's probably more than that. So if you want to have the herd immunity conversation, we're going to have to immunize kids. So really the, the major motivation for getting your kid immunized will be to contribute to herd immunity. And that's an ethically problematic thing, right? Because in no other vaccination do we say, give your kid this minute, vanishingly small, but not zero risk. Not for his or her benefit, but for the benefit of society. All right? So we're into some new ground here. Um, like if, if you want your kid to have a normal society, then you know vaccination is the way forward. So one could argue it is a, a defensible argument that herd immunity is the appropriate lever to compel you to vaccinate your child. I don't know what the right answer is. I really don't. But hopefully I've given you some things to think about and a roadmap for how to make this decision yourself. So uh, hope that helps. Thank you very much for listening.